Blog Talk Radio. Prophetic Grace Network. It is Sunday, May 14th of 2023. You're listening to Secrets Revealed. Understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. Thank you for being with me and with us today. We're talking about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy and numbers uh, in the book of Revelation, specifically related to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy i want to share a little bit about the number 144,000 then we're going to go to our first caller i see you 303517 thank you for being with me and with us if you want to present a prayer request or pose a question about the book of revelation or share your perspective please feel free to call Our PGN live phone number is 1-319-527-6027. That's 1-319-527-6027. You can call during the live Internet broadcast. You can use the phone number to listen. If you press 1, that raises your hand in the virtual queue. That will let me know that you wish to communicate to present your prayer request or share your perspective, or pose a question about the book of Revelation. Okay, so we're going to go to callers shortly. Let me share a little bit about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy and numbers. So the number 144, the number 144 has to do with rescue, So in Psalms 144, David says, rescue me from the power of my enemies and reach down from heaven and rescue me and rescue me from deep waters. So let's hear Psalm 144, a Psalm of David. Praise the Lord, who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield, and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me. O Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you should think about them, for they are like a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. Open the heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Hurl your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Shoot your arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. 
that's verses 1 to 7 of Psalm 144. And in the book of Revelation, we're talking about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. So there are, at the time when all Israel will be saved, immediately preceding the battle of Armageddon, all Israel will be saved. Immediately preceding all Israel being saved is the first resurrection. The marriage of the Lamb, the first resurrection is followed by the marriage supper, which is the battle of Armageddon described in Revelation 19 verses 6 to 21. Now what about these 144,000? These 144,000 are those individuals that have the mark of God, the seal put on their forehead, as described in the seven seals prophecy in Revelation chapter 7, so that when harm comes to the earth, now why is harm coming to the earth? When the battle of Armageddon is fought and won in Israel, there's also judgment coming to the city that sits on seven hills. The citadel for the harlot church. Judgment is coming to that city, and it will be taken out in one hour. Harm is coming to the earth during the battle of Armageddon and to those who have the mark of the beast. But to those who participate in the marriage of the Lamb, as described in First Thessalonians chapter 4, we will transition from mortality to immortality. And Jesus Christ will return with all his holy ones to fight and win the battle of Armageddon on behalf of all Israel. Now let's hear what it says in Romans chapter 11. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Now when does the full number of Gentiles come to Christ? When the last Gentile finds and follows God's plan for salvation and makes it makes it to makes it for the first resurrection. So there's that person, that one individual who will be in the last millisecond so that he or she was just in time uh being the last person on the list representing the full number of Gentiles. So there's some number of Gentiles, right? Maybe it's 1 to 5 trillion, 1 to 2.3 billion. I don't know exactly what the number is. But when the first resurrection happens, the first two parts of the harvest will have come in. Earth's crop will be reaped. Heaven, the storage take of heaven is going to be poured out. Every person, every disembodied spirit in heaven will descend and put on his or her new glorified, perfected body. Those of us who are here on the earth at the time of the second coming, we will transition from mortality to immortality 
putting on our perfected peak performance, 100% DNA error-free body. Then there's a third part of the harvest. Now let's hear it again. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters. So uh, we're told it's a mystery. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts. Now what does that mean? That means that they have not received the truth about Jesus Christ. That means that they have not perceived the reality that the old covenant has been replaced with the new covenant. It says, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. So after the first resurrection, there are no new Gentiles that are coming to Christ. That's the uh, the harvest in its entirety, except, says it here in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem. Now, who is the rescuer? David tells us in Psalm 144, reach down from heaven and rescue me. And he says in verse 11, save me, rescue me from the power of my enemies. And when the Antichrist and the armies of the world traverse the path of the Euphrates River, which will be dried up supernaturally, they will enter the land of Israel. There will be millions in this army, the armies of the world. And they are coming to take down Israel and in Zechariah. In Zechariah, we have a description of exactly what happens immediately prior to the Battle of Armageddon. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 12 so we can get context for understanding this 144,000 first fruits prophecy in Revelation 14. It says in Zechariah 12, this message concerning the fate of Israel came from the Lord. And then in verse 3 it says, on that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. And then in verse 5, and the clans of Judah will say to themselves, the people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of heaven's armies, their God. So let's talk about it. The 144,000, let's now turn our attention to the book of Revelation. 144,000, that number appears twice. Actually, it appears three times in the book of Revelation in two statements of prophecy. So it appears one time in the seven seals prophecy in Revelation chapter 7, and then it appears twice in the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Now, there are 12 visions that John the Revelator was shown. These visions are moving pictures. They're statements of prophecy, documentaries of future realities. And so in the first documentary, the first vision that John the Revelator was shown, the protection for the 144,000 as well as their identity is provided. 
So we're going to hear in the seven seals prophecy what happens to protect these 144,000 so that they are not harmed when harm comes to the earth at the hands of Jesus Christ and the armies of heavens. Why will harm come to the earth? Because there's a war to end all wars that's coming. This war is the Battle of Armageddon. Now, in Revelation chapter 7, it's the first mention of the 144,000. Here it is, Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. So this is what has happened. We're at the point in time immediately preceding the battle of Armageddon, and now there's no wind blowing on the earth. Something major is about to happen. There's always wind. Somewhere the wind is blowing, but now no wind is blowing on the earth. Things are changing. Something incredible is about to happen. Verse 2 says, and I saw another angel coming up from the east carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea. Let's pause for a second. So they're angels working in tandem with this angel, an angel of the Lord. And these angels have been giving, given power by God to do two things, harm the land and harm the sea. Why would God give angels power to harm the land and harm the sea? Because a war against the enemies of God is about to be fought. And here's what it says, continuing in verse 3. Wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until, let's pause there. So we hear harm is about to come. At the hands of the angels who have been empowered by God, harm is about to come to land, harm is about to come to sea, harm is about to come to trees. It says, but don't harm the land or the sea or the trees. So do it, but not just yet, until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Now, in our earlier programs this month, we've talked about the mark of God, which is the seal that goes on the foreheads of his servants. Um, and then in verse 4, it says, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. So the seal of God goes on the forehead of every person who is victorious. If you want to take a look at that, Revelation Chapter 3, verse 12. What does it mean to be victorious? To transition from mortality to immortality. To inherit in eternal life. To be counted among the members of the royal race. To be a sheep rather than a goat. To be among the good fish rather than the bad fish who are going to be thrown out. To be among the wheat who will be harvested rather than the tares or the weeds, which will ultimately be burned in the lake of fire forever and ever. So 
when an individual has the mark of God, that's the seal of God on his or her forehead, that's the evidence that the individual has his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is one of God's children rather than one of Satan's children. So the mark of the beast is a counterfeit. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 4, we hear that on the new earth, every person who's a member of the royal race will have the mark of God on his or her forehead. Now, what about all Israel who will be saved? They need this mark on their forehead so that they are protected from the harm that's about to come. They must transition from mortality to immortality. Now, it says again, let's recall in Romans chapter 11, I want you to understand this mystery. And friend, this is a mystery. There are three parts to the harvest. The 144,000 is the last part. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people have hearts. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. Now, in Zechariah chapter 12, when God descends from the clouds and his feet land in Israel, there's going to be a mighty earthquake. And he is followed by all his holy ones, including the armies of heaven, on white horses, and they are coming. We are coming to fight and win the battle of Armageddon, to fight and win the battle to destroy the enemies of God who are attacking Israel. Now, how many will be there? How many will be there? We're told how many will be there. When you say, well, what do you mean how many will be there? When the armies of the Antichrist, when they traverse the dried up path of the Euphrates River, and they come into Israel thinking that they are going to take it, they're not going to take it. But they think they're going to take out Israel, and they make some progress. They make some headway. Let's hear about it. Zechariah 14, verse 1. Watch for the day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. When is this? This is the day of the battle of Armageddon. Before Jesus Christ uh, returns with the marriage of the Lamb, followed by... All Israel being saved, followed by the Battle of Armageddon. Here it is. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women raped. This is very hard to hear. I don't want to think on war, except a war waged in righteousness, a war that ends with the Lord of Lords and King of Kings being victorious is something to think about, is something to look forward to. Now, for those who are in Israel 
after the great tribulation, the wrath of Satan has come to an end. Day number 1260 has come and gone. And so the wrath of God has begun as described in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. It culminates with the battle of Armageddon. Now, this is not going to be easy. What about those who are in Jerusalem? What about those who are among biological Israel? It says the city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity. So how many who are in Israel at the time that the armies of the Antichrist uh, invade Israel, the armies led by the Antichrist, the armies of the nations of the world. It says half the population will be taken into captivity and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. So you can imagine how demoralized the people will feel, how absolutely desperate they are. But these are men and women who believe that their Messiah will return. And it says in verse 3, then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fought in times past. So it's not, it's not when 100% of the people are there. It's when half the population has been taken into captivity and the houses have been looted. It says, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. So his feet, during the Battle of Armageddon, his feet are not standing in New York City. His feet are not standing in London. His feet are not standing in Zurich. His feet are not standing in Tokyo or Beijing. His feet are standing on the Mount of Olives. The Battle of Armageddon is not an international worldwide war. It's a local war, and it's fought in a specific country, which is Israel. On that day, talking about the day of the Battle of Armageddon, his feet will stand on the Mountain of Olives, on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through this valley, for it will reach across to Azal. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones with him. Listen, if you are in Israel, when the armies of the Ten Nation Alliance invade, traveling through the supernaturally dried up path of the Euphrates River. And you are not, you refuse to leave the land because you believe that your Messiah is going to come. You believe that God the Father has promised that land to Abraham and his descendants, which include you. You are 100% correct. And Jesus Christ promises that he is coming. It says right here, then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones with him. Now, the description of all his holy ones with him and all who's coming with him, that's described in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, the marriage supper prophecy. And now here in Zechariah, it says, on that day, what day are we talking about? We're talking about the day of the Battle of Armageddon. Now, this timing is very important. First, there's the marriage of the Lamb. That's the first resurrection. Then, 
When those two parts of the harvest come in, the third part of the harvest comes in. And so all Israel will be saved. How many? How many are there when Jesus Christ, when his feet stand on the Mount of Olives, when he returns with all his holy ones? How many? 144,000 are there. This is the last part of the harvest. These are those who had hardened hearts, but now when they see their Messiah return to fight the battle of Armageddon on their behalf, what else happens on that day? It says verse 6, Zechariah 14. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine. Yet there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. There will be no normal day and night, for at evening time it will still be light. And the Lord will be king. I'm skipping now to verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. Now, Jesus Christ has come and gone. He's right now, he's in present heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne. But he's returning. So, when he was here, he came as the Lamb of God, but when he returns, he's coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah to fight and win on that day. What day is that? The Battle of Armageddon, a war waged in righteousness. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. Why? Because he's going to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon on that day. Now, uh, what about... What about how people will feel on that day? So Zechariah 12, 13, and 14 is all about the Battle of Armageddon and how people will feel. We're talking about the 144,000. Uh, it says, going back to Zechariah 12, on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. Now, how can the weakest among them be as mighty as King David when the seal of God goes on their head? The mark of God goes on their forehead. That means that they are victorious. That means that they, uh, the earth has been reaped and all Israel has been saved. That means that they are transitioning from mortality to immortality like those who participated in the first two parts of the harvest have done. They are the last part of the harvest, indeed, as reported in Romans chapter 11. And so all Israel will be saved. And then we have in Revelation chapter 7, the seal of God goes on their forehead. All Israel will be saved. Let's go back there uh, to Revelation 7. Wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were, were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. Let's pause right there. The tribes of Israel are not Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, African Americans, Ethiopians. I was standing in Washington, D.C. Uh, some years ago, and there were people they had on uh, interesting outfits that were uh, in purple, and they were uh, reading from the Bible, and they had all sorts of posters out. And then I saw them again in downtown Silver Spring, and they were talking about how the tribes of Israel, this tribe was Puerto Ricans, and this tribe was Dominicans, and this tribe was Af African Americans, and they went on uh, like that. Listen, Revelation 
chapter 7 tells us who the 144,000 are and who the tribes of Israel are. It says, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel, from Judah, 12,000. From Reuben, 12,000. From Gad, 12,000. From Asher, 12,000. From Naphtali, 12,000. From Manasseh, 12,000. From Simeon, 12,000. From Levi, 12,000. From Issachar, 12,000. From Zebulon, 12,000. From Joseph, 12,000. From Benjamin, 12,000. Now let's keep the context here. These are individuals from the tribe of Israel who are where? Where are they? They're in Israel. Why are they getting this mark placed on their foreheads? Because it's immediately prior to the battle of Armageddon. They are the last part of the harvest. All Israel, it said in Romans, will be saved. And now here in Revelation, right before the battle of Armageddon, all Israel is saved. How are they saved? They get the mark of God on their forehead. The seal of God is placed on their forehead. They have transitioned from mortality to immortality. And we heard in Zechariah that the weakest among them, it says the weakest among them, will be as mighty as King David when on that day. The Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. Now, how can they go from having half the city taken into captivity, the women raped and the houses looted? How can they go from that before the second coming to now, the weakest among them being as mighty as King David? If the weakest among them is as mighty as King David on the Battle of Armageddon, why were the women raped? Why were the houses looted? Why were half taken into captivity? Because when they were in their mortal bodies, they were weak as we are all weak in our mortal bodies. We need the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling on the inside of us. And when we transition from mortality to immortality, we have the same body that Jesus Christ had when he rose from the dead and ascended into the clouds, and then to heaven. So when they get this mark, the real mark, not the mark of the beast, the mark of God described in Revelation chapter 7, they go from being weak and mortal and defeated to being mighty. How mighty are they? It says the weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God. It just says it right there. And the royal descendants will be like God. Now, how are they royal descendants? This is biological Israel that exists in Israel at the time immediately preceding the Battle of Armageddon. So some people, when they look at the 144,000, they say, well, listen, I live in America or Canada or Johannesburg, or Mexico. What about me? Let's talk about you. Let's talk about those who are not among the 144,000. So in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. That's you. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, 
and you are not in the 144,000, that doesn't mean that you aren't saved. That doesn't mean that you haven't transitioned from mortality to immortality. It means that you are in the vast crowd. Let's hear it again. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. So every nation includes Canada. It includes Mexico. It includes Brazil, Argentina. It includes Eritrea. Listen, if I didn't say your um, country, uh, don't be mad about that. It says every nation. Okay, so maybe your country didn't come to my uh, mind in this moment, but it's in God's mind, and it's in God's plans. It doesn't say some nations or most nations or many peoples. It says after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. I shared last week, I think I could count up to at least maybe, you know, 10 million, something like that, maybe 100 million. But this says too great to count. So I'm going to guess we're in the billions or trillions from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes friend in the prophecy about uh the battle of armageddon it's revealed revelation 19 verses 6 to 21 that all who participate in the first resurrection get a new outfit and if you want to know what will you be wearing what will you be wearing for the first resurrection and uh following for the battle of armageddon what outfit will you have on i think you know where i'm going you will wear white linen you will have a white linen outfit it's described in revelation 19 and uh here we're still in our same outfits why we're in the same timing we have 12 documentaries about the events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ, including the second coming. And then three of those 12 prophecies are about what happens after the second coming. Uh, so nine about the events leading up to, and some including it. So you're going to have on a white outfit. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Okay, so it's about time for us to uh, take callers. Uh, what is the take-home point? The 144,000 represent the last part of the harvest, and these are the individuals who are there at the location known as Israel. Those who await their Messiah, who have refused to leave the land that they know is going to be attacked by the armies of the world because they are believing that they're supposed to be there. They're believing that their Messiah is going to return. They have been praising God in the rebuilt third temple using the ashes of the red heifer. Praying the prayers that were prayed and doing the sacrifices that were done by their foremothers and forefathers over 2,000 years ago. They're going to do them again. Their hearts, though, are hardened, but they won't be hardened when they see their Messiah, Jesus Christ, return. Let's hear about what's it going to be like 
when they when they see their Messiah return and they realize who he is. Now that's in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 12, let's go back to it. So we learned earlier that Jesus has returned. And he's come to fight the battle of Armageddon. And it's that day. It says in verse 7, chapter 12 of Zechariah, the Lord will give victory to the rest of Judah first before Jerusalem so that the people of Jerusalem and the royal line of David will not have greater honor than the rest of Judah. On that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God, like the angel of the Lord who goes before them. For on that day, I will begin, who's I, Jesus Christ, I will begin to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Russia is coming against Jerusalem on that day. Germany is coming against Jerusalem on that day. Let me pause there. These nations are mentioned uh, in Ezekiel. Let's keep going. Verse 10, then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. So the battle of Armageddon has been fought and won, but we're still on that same day. It's been fought and won. It says, they will look on me. Who's they? The 144,000. All Israel who has been saved. Now, what's their reaction going to be to all this? They will look on me, talking about Jesus Christ, whom they have pierced. Now, when did they pierce him? They pierced him when he died on the cross. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't realize that he was their Messiah. Now, those who realize that he was Messiah, all the apostles, they are participating in the first resurrection. But there are those who are still following the old covenant. Their hearts are hardened. But not anymore. These 144,000 representing all Israel that remains at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, it says, they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They're mourning. Now you say, well, wait a minute, they were all saved. Shouldn't they be, uh, you know, dancing and uh, celebrating and um, running around happy and excited? Listen, they've endured 1,260 days of persecution at the hands of the Antichrist and the nations of the world. And yes, their enemies will have been defeated. But it will be a bittersweet victory because, indeed, the houses were looted. Many of the women were raped. People were taken out of captivity, though they will be released. And to top it all off, they were saved. And they've transitioned from mortality to immortality. They participated in the harvest. They have the mark of God on their foreheads. But the reality is... Quote, they will grieve bitterly for him, who's him, Jesus Christ, and for a firstborn son who has died. The sorrow and mourning in Jerusalem on that day will be like the great mourning for Hadad Ryman in the valley of Megiddo. All Israel will mourn, each clan by itself. And it goes on to talk about that. Why are they mourning? Because they realize 
their mistake. Imagine the person who's given you everything, the person who died on the cross for you and you realize this is the person that we pierced. This is the person that we killed who just descended from heaven, who saved us, who transitioned us from mortality to immortality, put his mark on our foreheads, made us as mighty as King David, the weakest among us, fought and won the battle of Armageddon on by our behalf, and we are the people who killed him. This is an awful reality to be confronted with. This insight will be afflicted, inflicted upon them, and they will mourn for the mistake that they made. Their hearts will be totally soft, totally yielded to God, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. Now, let's go to the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. Ultimately, what is their fate? What is their fate? So we learn about them in the seven seals prophecy, which is about many things, but there's one prophecy. It's five verses only. Two of the 12 statements of prophecy, only five verses. What is their fate? So now we know background. Who are they? Uh, what's their story? We got it from Zechariah uh, 12, 13, and 14, Revelation chapter 7. Now we're in Revelation 14, verses 1 to 5. We're going to end with this. Then we're going to go to callers. It says, Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So you know who these people are. You know who they are. You know what their story is. You know that they are victorious. You know that they have been included in the harvest. You know they've transitioned from mortality to immortality. You know that it's all Israel at the time immediately preceding the Battle of Armageddon. Now, what ultimately happens to them? Here's their story over time. Remember, we think in uh, weeks, months, years, maybe decades or centuries, but God thinks in terms of eternities right? Eternities, forever. So this is their story when we look at eternity. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins, following the lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the lamb. They have told no lies. They are without blame. So there is the story of the 144,000. They are going to learn a new song. Only they will get to learn that song. They are going to uh, keep themselves as pure virgins. What does that mean? That means that they won't be practicing witchcraft, uh, astrology, doing seances, uh, worshiping the God with many uh, arms. Uh, they won't be bowing down to um, any false gods. 
They will keep themselves as pure as virgins. So what does that mean? They will not uh, defile themselves by giving their hearts and minds to a false god or false gods. Indeed, they're going to follow Jesus Christ wherever he goes. And they are referred to as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. Now, if you're not in 144,000, don't be offended because God has chosen to report specifically on their story and what happens to them. Elsewhere in the book of Revelation, God chooses to give focus and to report on what happens to Christians during the Great Tribulation who are beheaded because they give testimony for Jesus Christ. They preach the word of God. They refuse to take the mark of the beast. They refuse to bow down. So we see in Revelation uh, chapter 20, focus on them. We also see in the seven seals prophecy a focus on some of the people in heaven talking about what they are saying to Jesus. Well, who? What those who were also martyred, so in other words, before the Great Tribulation, there have been people who lost their lives. They experienced the first death because they were preaching the word of God. So there's focus given to them and what they're saying in uh, the seven seals prophecy. So sometimes God chooses to zoom in on the specific experience of some uh, members who, of the royal race some whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I think that happens for a number of reasons. But one reason is this. If you are in Israel at that time and you're among the 144,000, you need to know that Jesus Christ is coming. You need to know that your Messiah, it's prophesied that he is coming. It's prophesied that the Euphrates River will be dried up supernaturally. It's prophesied that the headquarters of the Antichrist is going to have a blackout. It's prophesied that a plague is going to come on all the people who take the mark of the beast. Okay, it's time for us to pause. I'd like to hear from you. Do you have a question about the book of Revelation? Do you have a comment? Do you have a prayer request? We're going to go to 984-277. Let's see if I can figure this out. 984-277, I'm going to unmute you now. Who am I talking to and where are you calling from? Nine eight four two seven seven. Are you there? Nine eight four two seven seven. Can you hear me? Okay, I think I have unmuted you one more time. Nine eight four two seven seven. Go ahead. We can hear you now. Yes. Who am I talking to, and where are you calling from? If you're if you're on speaker, that might be part of the reason. But I can hear you, but it's hard to make out what you're saying. I'm so glad you called. If you could take me off speakerphone, if I'm on speaker, that might help us. Something went wrong, but a mile down the road. That's it. While you watch. 
Okay, nine eight four. I can I can hear you talking, but I can't make out exactly what you're saying. Nine eight four. What about this? Maybe if you could. Uh, let me see if I can call you. I think there's a way to do that. I'm gonna see if that will help. If you could call back or if I can call you, I'm going to see if I can call you now. So I'm going to uh, get off of this line because that's not working. So I'm going to mute you, see if I can call, if that will work. Okay. Hmm. Okay, 984, I'm calling you now to see if that will work. Yes, uh, 984-277, calling you back from uh, the Secrets Revealed show? Yes, uh-huh. So, um, who am I talking to and where were you calling from? Oh, my name is Lamont, and I'm calling from Concord, North Carolina. Welcome, welcome. So, um, let me pray for you. Uh, I want to thank you for calling, Lord. Thank you for... Uh, your precious son of God. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you have uh, given him ambition. Thank you, Lord, that you've given him talent, talent to speak with people, talent to stand before people. Um, thank you, Lord, that he has a winning personality and that you've given him this winning personality so he can win people to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing in the mighty name of jesus christ we pray amen brother i'm so glad you called what's on your heart and mind oh nothing i just um you know i just want to um i just want to do the will of god i've been running for a long time and you know i just decided that you know i'm gonna do what i need to do now okay okay uh what kinds of things um do you do you like to do for the lord uh what kinds Um, of things are you into I'm witnessing to people. I'm praying for people, and um, you know, just you know, witnessing and praying to people. Mostly praying for people. Yeah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. As uh, as I was praying for you, I just saw where you have a big personality, and where people like you. I just saw you standing yeah. in front of people, and it just seemed like people just were attracted to you, and they liked your personality. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, is there anything specific that uh, we should pray about? 
Yeah, um, I put in for a job, <laughs> and the lady said, told the guy that I couldn't hear, and uh, I just couldn't hear her, but I'm going to get my hearing checked on tomorrow. And I know I've been having problems with my hearing, but not like that. But um, so, you know, I don't know what going to – they said the human resource was going to call me, and the interview was last Tuesday. I ain't hear nothing from them. So that's, that's about the only thing. Okay, so you're believing to uh, get good news about this job that you interviewed for last Tuesday? Yes, ma'am, yeah. Okay, let's pray about it. Anything else? No, that's, oh, yeah, about my marriage, you know, that me and my wife can, you know, just, um, you know, come together even more, you know, and be more, um, you know, into one another. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, Lord, thank you for my brother. You know everything that is going on with him and his life. Thank you, Lord, that uh, he's made so many sacrifices for you. Uh, Lord, he has said no to the things of the world and yes to you uh, many times, Lord. He's got on his knees, Lord, to humble himself before you, putting your word and your will above that of his own uh, and even above that of uh, relatives and family members who have tried to put him down. Lord, thank you that uh, it's time for him to rise up, Lord. He's He's been patient and he has endured. He has been trusting in you, Lord. Thank you that he's entering the season of promotion and prosperity. And, Lord, we pray that you would give him uh, continued favor with his wife and that you would give his wife favor with him. Lord, let them be in harmony. Lord, close close his wife's ear to uh, every every word of gossip where people would try to put down her husband and uh, make it seem like he's not this or he's not that or she could have had this or that. Lord, uh You've given her a mighty man of God. You've placed her above other women in honor and stature. Lord, let her uh, realize the wonderful gem of a husband that she's been given, Lord. Let her honor him uh, every day and every night, Lord. Let her uh, let her have the the words of her family members and, and others who would speak against him and friends. Let those wrong relationships end, Lord, and let her just hear your words of praise and compassion for her husband. And, Lord, give your precious son, g- give him a, a heart where he's able to uh, have patience with his wife, Lord, where um, – he he's able to receive her love lord let them have a, a time of uh coming back together let their that their marriage be renewed like it was in the beginning lord let them uh have tender uh mercies toward each other let them feel uh, the giddiness that comes with young love, let it be in this season of their life again, Lord, let their marriage be as passionate as it ever was. Lord, thank you that these things matter to you, and thank you that you're cutting off uh, those who would seek to uh, tear apart what you've put together. And so, Lord, I just pray uh, togetherness uh, uh, over this marriage. 
I pray your favor. I declare and decree according to the word of God that their marriage shall be strong, that it shall be secure, uh, that you have plans for them to prosper and to be in health even as their souls prosper. And, Lord, about uh, about this job, Lord, let the paperwork, the, let the paperwork, I just see the paperwork um, kind of bouncing around. And I see the paperwork, like, bouncing around and it seems like it's uh i see a basketball dribbling and then like it stops i'm not sure what that means i see like a basketball dribbling and then it just kind of stops um lord i don't know exactly what that means but uh i just pray that uh the doors will open for him to get the job that you've called him to have, that the doors will open quickly, that he will have uh, pay that he needs, uh, pay that it meets and exceeds, pay that exceeds his expectations. Lord, let him have many conversations with human resources. Let the right person, the person who will understand him, let the right person get, get in uh, connection with him so that they can uh, see him and know him. Lord, uh, let them have a good impression of him. Let them be aware that this is a person that they, they can count on, a person who's reliable. Reliable. Uh, I just hear the word Jimmy and reliable. Jimmy and reliable. Uh, I just hear somebody saying Jimmy is reliable. This Jimmy is reliable. Can uh, I'm going to pause there. Do you know what that means in Jimmy and reliable? <laughs> No, I mean, I guess they're saying they can count on me. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm going to ask you to look for that name. It's I kept hearing Jimmy, Jimmy, um, and the the thing about uh, you is that you're reliable, reliable. And there, uh, you know, there's so many people who go into a job. They might show up one day. They might not show up the next day. They're tired. They feel sick, whatever. Um, but you're reliable, and there are employers who are looking for uh, people who are reliable and who have in- integrity, and that's you. How Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you called. Anything you want yeah, to I'm, talk about? No, I'm no, I'm good. I just um, you know, I just um, I just want to do the will of God, and um, I want my light to shine, and you know, anything that. I'm doing the not right. No, I just won't be able to stop it. You know, I, I've been running for a long time, and, you know, the Lord's been calling me into the ministry, and, you know, I kind of like, oh, you know, the way I talk or this and that, I don't care about it no more. I'm just going to do the will of God and, you know, let God use me. I know I got a gift in praying for people, and I know I... Definitely got a good personality, you know, because people like me, you know, when I'm around them, you know, and I know how to talk to people, I know how to reach people, and, you know, I know how to get people attention. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, and I think that, you know, once I get myself completely right, I think I find favor with God again. Amen. And I want to tell you something. I I believe that the favor of, of God is with you now. You you have it. Yeah. Amen. You you know uh, the enemy wants to condemn us, making us think that if uh, we did this or that wrong thing, that 
uh, now we, we lost what God meant for us to have and we can never have it back. But when we slip up, we fall down, we commit this or that sin, that wasn't, that didn't surprise God. And the blood of Jesus is strong enough, powerful mm-hmm. enough uh, to cover any and all sins. So when you repent, when I repent, uh, that is sufficient. The blood of Jesus covers it. Amen. You, amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you will uh, be with me and with us again. It was a pleasure talking to you. I know. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Amen. It's an honor to get to pray with you and for you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, you have a good day, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to okay. call for prayer, if you would like to call for prayer, please call us now. Our PGN phone number is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. You can text in your prayer requests to one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. You know, today is Mother's Day, and uh, I want to pray a special prayer for mothers. Uh, If you are a mother, that is a wonderful assignment from God. Sometimes uh, the world says, oh, you have to be a CEO or you have to be a nurse or you have to be a lawyer. You have to be this or that. Sometimes your most important assignment is the assignment of mother. And so if God has blessed you to have one child or uh, children, that is a blessing. And I want to recognize uh, the work that you have uh, engaged in, the work that you have completed, the assignment that you have accepted. And uh, let me just pray right now. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray a special blessing over all mothers. Let every mother know that her tears for her child or children, that they have been received by God, that her prayers on behalf of her children and herself and her family are heard, that her toiling is not in vain, that you honor those who serve. You honor those who complete their assignment from you. And so mothers have received an assignment from God to raise up a child and children in the fear of the Lord, in the knowledge of the Lord, in the love of the Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you for every mother who has accepted that assignment, who has prayed on behalf of her child or children, who has given her heart and her soul, her time, her attention, to raising up her children, that they would be mighty men and women of God. And so we honor you, we celebrate you, and we pray the Lord's favor over you. Continue blessings and favor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being with me and with us. Uh, We're going to continue our discussion on the book of Revelation on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Texas Time, and every Sunday 
at 12 p.m. Texas time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. This month we're talking about the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. If you know anyone who's interested in the 144,000, please tell them about this program so they can listen live or from the internet broadcast. You can go to blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic to listen live. Thank you again for being with me and with us. I pray that you will join me today and every day in praying Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call out to me. I will show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. So, friend, if you haven't done so yet today, I urge you according to the word of God, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.